You're listening to Create Wealth Through Franchising, and I'm your host, Kim Daly. In my 20 years as a franchise consultant, I've helped hundreds of people achieve their dreams of building and scaling franchise businesses to create wealth. The interview you're about to hear can also be found on my YouTube channel, where I post new franchising content multiple times per week. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and to my YouTube channel at kimdaily.tv. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Kim Daily TV. We have our second Daily Double for you today. My good friend, Paul Moore, is back for more conversation right here on Kim Daily TV. Paul Moore, welcome again to Kim Daily TV. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Kim. For those of you who may not remember Paul Moore, Paul really has been a serial real estate commercial business developer for like 30 years. I'll let Paul tell you a little bit more about who he is. But what we plan to do for you today is really talk about the pros and cons of entrepreneurship in franchising and real estate compared to partnering with people who have a track record, who have experience, who have systems, who can guide and help you. And we'll call that in a business, a franchise. (laughs) And we'll call that level of support in a real estate investment, real estate syndication. So we're comparing and contrasting the difference between going it alone and being partnered with people. Both Paul and I work with a similar investor, And in both of our roles, we're coming up against the kinds of questions of, should I go it alone or should I buy a franchise? Should I buy that rental property on my own or should I partner with people and and invest in, in a bigger property with the support of other people? So with that, Paul, before we get into that awesome conversation, tell the viewers of Kim Daily TV a little bit more about Paul Moore. All right. So I sold my company to a publicly traded firm at 33 and at 34, I was struggling. I thought I'm a full-time investor now, but I was really a full-time speculator. And I thought I was semi-retired and I was this high energy entrepreneur who was looking for something to do. So I started flipping houses and then I started flipping waterfront lots. And then I built a small subdivision and built some houses. And I realized I wasn't creating real wealth. I was just transacting hours uh, you know, for actually for dollars. And so, you know, they talk about working in your, ver- in your business versus on your business. I was definitely working in it. And so finally I found a path into commercial real estate. And now I do a lot of podcasts and webinars. I've written three books, um, about how investors, whether they've got a full-time job and a career and a busy life or even retirement, can offload the headaches and hassles, the toilets, tenants, and trash to other people who are already experts in real estate, and they can partner with them to make more money, more reliable, more scalable, and have a better life. And guys, you know, if you're on my YouTube channel, you are thinking about leverage as well. That's what this conversation is all about, right? You can go it alone. You can learn everything on your own, reinventing the wheel, crying, sweating, bleeding, (laughs) trying, wasting money, wasting time, hopefully not giving up. We call that entrepreneurship. (laughs) Or you can step onto that nice, you know, paved path of a franchise with, 
yes, there are fees, but the fees are justified by the the track record and the support and the statistical, you know, um, the opportunity to hopefully be successful and to be partnered with people who know how to be successful. And so anyway, that's such a great introduction, Paul, and I'm excited to have this conversation. So where should we begin? I'm thinking that we should begin with the dreaded fees. <laughs> like, oh, where do you yeah. Think we should begin? <laughs> Yeah, you know, sometimes like when I heard about syndication, I realized, you know, that as an investor, the person running the syndication would get an asset management fee and an acquisition fee, and then they would get a, like a 70-30, so they'd get like 30% of the profits. Sometimes that's after a preferred return hurdle. But I thought, well, I mean, I could probably make more money doing this on my own. But you know what? They say you make money when you buy. And our company, we we hit, you know, we ran headlong into this national crisis of lack of inventory. I mean, it's in single-family homes, it's in apartments, it's now in mobile home parks and self-storage. But there are certain people out there. There's experts who are getting massive uh, opportunities that others don't get. They have acquisition teams, they have expertise, they have an ability to uncover intrinsic value. And so you know the 80-20 rule. Well, I'm talking about the 80-20 of the 80-20. In other words, the top 20% of the top 20, the top 4% of the operators who are getting massive value and massive profits that much, much higher than their competition. So we are looking to invest with those folks. And when they split it 70-30 and take their fees off of it, we're still getting much, much more profit than we could ever get by working 100 hours a week each on our team and going it alone. It makes so much sense. And I'm guessing that those investors also have a lot less hassle. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's so much uncertainty. I mean, I know about a guy told me yesterday he had put a contract on a piece of property and it was covered in black mold, but he didn't find that out till after it was under contract and all kinds of, of stuff out there Possibly that mistake. you just... Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to make a mistake by going it alone. I mean, let's look at Warren Buffett real quick. Warren Buffett, he is the value investing king. He has spent 60 years unearthing value in places nobody else saw it. But he recommends that people don't do what he did. He knows that 99 point something percent of people would never do, you know, forego a life to just sit pouring over reports for 10 or 12 hours a day like he has for decades. And he says, go and just invest in a, an ETF. Just trade the market and allow the market to do the heavy lifting. You go out and enjoy your life. And that's what we're saying as well. Yeah. And the same is going to be true in franchising, right? So we have those dreaded franchise fees and though how dare those franchisors collect that royalty every month, you know, and, but, it, it, you know, that franchise fee is a one-time fee that you're giving to the franchisor and the daily coach calls that fee the cost of entry. It opens the gate to Disneyland and buys you instant access to the business plan, the ready-made toolbox, you know, the training, the marketing, the ongoing support, the tools that are go going to enable you as the business owner to not have to come to this 
experience with experience to so this business with experience, but then also to be able to hit the ground running, moving toward profitability rather than stopping and trying to figure out how to make money in order to get to profitability. So that's the franchise fee. And on average, franchise fees today are probably, in my world, around $50,000. Again, that's a one-time fee. Certainly some of them are 25 or 35,000, but I have some emerging brands hitting at 65,000. So it's also a myth that the franchise fee, there's a correlation between how established or pioneering the brand is with the franchise fee. That's a total myth but that's for another conversation. So that's the franchise fee. And then that the ongoing royalty that's given back to the franchisor. Ooh, that's a, that's a spot of contention for a lot of people. Like, why do I have to give, you know, this franchisor 8%, how, how are they going to earn that? It's like, listen, if we want our partner to be there, to keep growing the brand, to keep looking for new ways to keep us relevant, keep us changing, keep us adapting, it costs money. Franchisors make money from royalty. That's one of the revenue streams, very typical in a franchise. So, and how the franchisor makes money in full, it's disclosed to you in their franchise disclosure document. So it's no secret how lucrative they are. It's disclosed to you in their document. But this royalty fee on average is between six and 10% of gross sales collected on a monthly basis. Now, intuitively, people think, well, then I want the franchise with the lowest royalty. The Daily Coach will tell you that it's actually the opposite. But that, again, is for another video or another conversation. If you're intrigued by that, you'll have to message me and we can follow up on that. The lower the royalty, the more red flag in Kim Daly's mind. That's how the fees on a high level can be, quote, justified in terms of rather than going it alone and being an entrepreneur and having to figure everything out, the fees in a franchise are given back to keep growing the system. And that initial fee allows you to walk on again, step, open the gate and step onto that proven path versus, you know, staring at that forest and saying, okay, I'm going to try to walk through this forest, but you got to cut down the trees in order to create a path. And you're not even sure that the trees that you're cutting down are leading you anywhere good. It's like Warren Buffett talks about the bird in the hand versus two in the bush. You know, you don't really know that those two are really going to be there when you go into the bush. And so it's really, that's why it's important. It's so important to go with a proven operator, which would be more the bird in the hand uh, issue with this. I mean, look, people watch HGTV. I was on HGTV once, you know, Joanna and Chip Gaines, they do these amazing, beautiful renovations. And sure, it's fun, just like, you know, running your own business from the ground up. Let's say it's a restaurant would be fun to come up with your own French recipes and travel to France and go on eBay and get all the decorations. But are you in this for fun or are you in it to build wealth? And how fun will it be when you are pouring all your 401k funds in to try to keep your business afloat? And how fun will it be when you're working a hundred hours and your kids never see you and your marriage is strained? I mean, these are the type of things that are avoided by, you know, hopefully avoided by running a well-oiled franchise in Kim's world. And in our world, you know, flipping a house or buying a single family rental property. I was talking to a guy the other day, he's a medical professional and he couldn't even get his work done at work because he was, he had 42 units of real estate. He was trying to run on the side. He said, a guy moved into my place on Monday and he, at least he waited till Tuesday to burn it down. 
And uh, he was having to deal with all that hassle, Kim. And again, in real estate, you would you rather have 100% of the profits when the profits are like 5% or would you rather get 70% of the profits if the profits are like 20% and have no hassle in the process? And that's why I love investing in commercial funds or syndications. How many projects a year did your group look for, look to try to do? Well, we look to partner with expert operators. We talked about Warren Buffett earlier. Again, uh, Buffett is not an operator. You know, he's in the top 10 of the Fortune 500, but he has no products. He has no services. He doesn't produce anything. He's got under 30 employees at Berkshire Hathaway. Yet he's one of the largest companies in the world. And he partners with great operators and he lets them figure out the details. And that's exactly what we do. We're looking to partner with about five operators in any given year. And then we let them get all the properties. So, I mean, last year we had about five operators in our fund and they had about 78 properties in the fund. This year we've got three operators so far and they've got over 100 properties that we have a piece of. Wow. All right. So what's another, besides the fees, what's another point of comparison or contrast from going in alone versus partnership with professionals? Yeah. How about marketing and branding? I mean, think about it. It would be fun to name your own restaurant and get some cool French name or whatever. But, you know, uh, think about the branding that a franchise does. Think about the mm-hmm. amount of work they do on marketing. Think about the goodwill from having a name like Chick-fil-A or, you know, McDonald's or, or whatever all over the world already, all that credibility. And think about the location. You think you know how to figure out a location. These branding, you know, these franchises, well, they probably spend millions and millions of dollars on software and staffs and all that to figure out a location for you. It's similar in real estate to that as well. Um, we just, I just finished a webinar today with a guy who took a $10 million asset and now it's, he's about to get an offer for $23 million on it. It was in the right location. It was the right asset. And that took him only two years to fix, figure that, you know, to get all that done. I couldn't have done that in a lifetime, but his staff does that type of deal routinely. Hey, Daily Coach fans, if you're inspired by this conversation, I invite you to email me right now to explore this franchise opportunity. My email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. It is fun to like, you know, name your coffee shop after you or to be, you know, in sitting and dreaming and creating and coming up with, you know, how you're going to market to your customer. But all of that time spent doesn't make you money, nor do you know that the messaging that you're coming up with is even going to attract the customer that you're trying to attract. But when you pay that franchise fee and a proven franchise with a proven marketing plan, and a lot of times the, the marketing departments of these companies have, you know, experts that have, you know, spent time on Madison Avenue and, you know, other have worked for Fortune 500 companies in their marketing departments. And they are the ones coming up with the marketing. These people know customer acquisition through marketing. They know that this messaging and the the coloring and everything is going to work to attract that ideal customer. It's not guesswork. And they also know that it's not just about the marketing, but it's like, 
where do you spend those marketing dollars and how much money do you have to spend? Is it $3,500 a month? Is that enough? Or is it $10,000 a month, right? You don't want to be out spending 10,000 if you could have got your phone to ring for 3,500, but you also don't want to be chipping away at 3,500 when the reality is you need to be spending 10,000 in order to really impact the market the way that you're trying to, to build the size of the business that you want. So wouldn't it be great to step in because you paid a franchise fee and have instant training and instant access to these ready-made tools so that when you're ready to open your business, you hit the ground running, this marketing gets the phone to ring to attract exactly the right customer, and you know how many of those customers you're trying to attract in order to make the kind of money that you want to make to create that ROI that makes it fun for you. All of that is a known. At least there are parameters. There's no guarantee, but there are parameters. Okay, it's approximately 200 memberships or approximately, you know, 100 customers to get to X amount of dollars. As an entrepreneur, you're making assumptions. You have no idea, it, you know, if you can even get the customer, if you can attract that customer, if they're going to pay the price point you're offering. These are some of the biggest advantages of a franchise. Even in the most pioneering franchise brand that you could argue, they don't have a track record with their marketing. They don't have any name brand recognition. They, If they have even one or two corporate stores running with this plan, they have more than you have as an entrepreneur so starting true. from scratch. <laughs> That's so true. Do we have time to talk about a few more items? Of course. What's next? All right. What about scaling? I talked to a guy in Charlotte recently. He was running a little restaurant, but he was saying that he had an opportunity to run open like, I think it was going to be a hundred Bojangles uh, or Hardy's restaurants. I think it was around the Atlanta area. He had gotten a license to do like a hundred. And I'm thinking, how in the world could you do a hundred custom restaurants? Who could do that? Yet I know I know people in my own town that have three or four Chick-fil-A's and other franchises. I know one of my uh, investors has a couple dozen uh, of a certain pizza place that's franchised. In real estate, I mean, it, it would take you a million dollars, or actually, let's just do exact numbers. It would take you $2.8 million to have invested in that $10 million place I mentioned a few minutes ago that we did the webinar on, $2.5 million plus, okay? But for 50000 my investors got into a piece of that and 78 other assets in that fund last year. And wow. so, you know, you could get, I mean, we're talking about scale, we're talking about diversification. Is that similar in the franchise world as well? So similar. So Paul, in, an, in a deal like that, are your investors paid quarterly dividends? Is it, are they paid upon, you know, the sale of that, of that um, asset? It's both. So they get cash flow along the way. And that asset is now that cost a, a 10 or $11 million is thrown off 51,000 a month in cash flow. And so that's spread among the investors. I think that's about a 17 or 18% return on their original investment. Uh, and then in addition, that's per year. And then in addition to that, if that asset sells, they'll get about a four or five X, four or five times the original money they invested. And so it's both. How long do you hold that investment? Do you try to sell it within five years? Is it 10 years? Our fund is a 10-year fund. So we have the possibility of going up to 10 years. But that I'm talking about the results on that one from only two years 
we would expect most assets to be hold, held between four and seven years. Yeah. And you know what else we should talk about is that equity piece, because I want to ask you right now, like, so, you know, if you own that property and you have the equity, then you get the tax advantage. Does an investor in your in this type of a, an, an investment fund have any tax advantage? Yeah, all the tax advantages of depreciation, which is beyond the scope of our talk today, but all the significant tax advantages that allow someone like our former president to pay $750 in taxes in a year as a massive commercial real estate investor. All those advantages pass through, or at least most of them do, to individual investors in a fund or a syndication like ours as well. Yeah, so the exact same thing is going to be true. Look, guys, you've heard me say this on, on Kim Daily TV before, right? Like the wealth in a franchise, the wealth is created through the scale. One unit, one territory, and most businesses, there's always exceptions to this rule, but one makes it foundational. Like that just gets you going, but two is where it starts to go, okay, this is getting fun. And three and more is where you really start to feel like you're building wealth, right? So, and you're right, how, can, how many entrepreneurs start a business and ever get out from underneath it to where they can scale it? to a second truck or a second territory or a second location, not too many, right? But when you are the CEO of a franchise coming in as a semi-absentee owner, manager-run business, where that one location never needed you from day one, where you're always working on it rather than in it, your focus is on multi-unit growth from the beginning, then you're going to be able to scale that location to two or three or five or 10 or however many that fits your growth strategy and your, you know, your ability to continue to reinvest. And sometimes people may ask me, you know, but Kim, how do people afford to do that? You know, a funding conversation for franchising is really best had one-on-one, -on -one, but I'll tell you that you don't figure it all out before you ever do the first one. You figure it out as you go. The money becomes available as you grow, right? So that's kind of like a high level answer to that question in case you were thinking that like, I would love to be a 10 unit investor in Planet Fitness, but like, I don't have $10 million to do it. You don't, you don't need $10 million to do it. And again, this is why I have a business. This is why Paul has a business to yeah. help bring you to these opportunities and teach you how people get it done. Yeah. Well, think about this. If I'm a bank, and you came to me, Kim, to borrow money. Am I more likely to, uh, you know, invest or loan you money for a McDonald's or Hardee's or Chick Fil A franchise or Kim's Kitchen? Something you're dreaming about, you know, in your spare time. No offense. Well, okay, so we hit we hit a little bit on the equity part, you know, in a franchise. I'll just say it: you absolutely are building an asset that you can sell. It's a total myth that you don't own what you're building. Um, right now I've been working a lot, like I bumped into a lot of Amazon people that are running the logistics, you know, they're running trucks for Amazon. And the, the thing that's like so startling about the size of these businesses that some of these people I've met have is, but at the end of building this, you know, 3 million or 6 million or $10 million logistics company to, to deliver Amazon packages, you don't own anything. Amazon owns the trucks and the routes. And what I'm hearing from some of these people is that Amazon doesn't want you to like capitalize on the market too much. And they, they're cutting people off. They're like, you, you have too big of a business. And if something goes wrong, you know, you're going to ruin our business. So we're not going to give you any more routes. 
So you invest all this time managing all of those drivers, which is a constant, you know, interview and firing and hiring and and working busy times like holidays. And then at the end of that, you don't own anything in a franchise. If you invested that energy, what you've built is your asset that, like Paul said, has some X multiple upon exit, whether that's 2X or 4X or 8X, depends on the business, depends on the economy, depends. There's a lot of depends on that, that, you know, we would talk about one-on-one, but you absolutely have that. And then of course you have the tax advantages that go along with that. And so when we look at how do the rich get richer and the poor and the middle class stay the same, according to Robert Kiyosaki, right? They own businesses. 90% of millionaires own their own business. They're not working for income. They're building cash flow. They're building assets and they create tax shelters. Yeah, it's very, very true. And thinking about, you know, passing that business along, uh, I, I understand that there is a massive uh, gap right now between people trying to, who are older, 65, 75 years old, who have built this business and, you know, people who are willing to come in and take it over. From what I understand, like in the heating and air realm, uh, for example, there are massive number of people who are older wanting to sell their businesses, but they can't find any millennials or Gen Z people who are ready to step into those shoes. My son's in the timber land and timber world. And there's hardly anybody younger who's willing to come in and be a lumberjack or timberjack. And so there's a huge emergency right now for businesses like that, that'll eventually just have to shut down. But in real estate, if you can develop a franchise or syndication model, you can put these assets that are all similar, similar branding, similar websites, similar property management, uh, you know, same name, same colors, you put them together in a portfolio and a friend of mine is now selling his 26 self-storage facilities uh, all to one large institutional buyer, and they're paying a premium for this. But, you know, a lot of these older businesses can't do that. Now, wouldn't you guess the same thing is true in franchising that you can what? actually package so it and sell true, it? That is so true, Paul. It's so true. In fact, just yesterday, my first daily double, I was interviewing um, a franchisor and in, 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 we were talking about the same thing where private equity money is coming into franchising, but private equity isn't going to be interested in a single unit operator. They're interested in the guy that owns 10 Planet Fitnesses or the guy that owns, you know, you know, 15 or 20 Meineke's, right? They, they want to be able to build, buy something substantial that then they can fix and flip. So that is an excellent point. An excellent point. Isn't there an appeal for people who want to go it alone, who want to have that pioneering spirit and who, you know, want to name the, you know, put the menu together that they choose? Well, there is a place for people like that, right? For sure. We cannot, listen, Every franchise starts as an entrepreneurial business. We we have to have entrepreneurs or we're not going to have any franchises in the future. So let's not like totally poo-poo entrepreneurialism. It's just a hardier route. It requires more money. It requires more grit. It requires more time. So I always love to say that entrepreneurs are in love with their business. Franchisees are in love with what their business affords. The vast majority of the people that I meet are looking at that North Star is quality of life. Quality of life requires a certain amount of money. 
Well, when you look at a franchise that has a predictable path to that revenue and that has the leverage of infrastructure and a proven toolbox like marketing and training and technology that allows you to work on it rather than in it. So you get that quality of life. You're not worried that you're going to be enslaved into the, you know, into the, the everyday routine of this business. Then you're almost buying that quality of life in that franchise business. And so we're looking and you can scale to where really where the wealth gets created, the financial wealth gets created, all while maintaining a minimal time commitment in a business. I mean, this is why franchising wins. It's not, you know, there is this kind of like, I feel some people look down, like entrepreneurialism is where it's at. And sure, again, we need entrepreneurs, but there is true wealth to be created in franchising if it's done correctly and if you're partnered with the right franchisor. And I'll leave it on that note. This is why The Daily Coach has a website, has a YouTube channel, has a business, is to educate people about who, what are those businesses. They're not the ones that you're thinking of when you're looking at Entrepreneur 500. They're not the ones that most people have a passion play for. That doesn't mean you're not going to love your business. You're absolutely going to love it. What you're really going to love is what it affords you, money and time. It's absolutely true. And there's a book called The Coffee House Investor. And it talks about how, you know, while we could go in and try to be, you know, repeat Warren Buffett's strategy of mining, spending untold hours trying to mine value out of these massive, you know, uh, 10K reports and all this, trying to figure out where the value is in stock. Wouldn't you rather enjoy your life? Wouldn't you rather enjoy your family? Wouldn't you rather have your kids know you growing up? And that's why we like the possibility of investing in a so-called franchise in the real estate realm. And Kim, I can see that we are really, really on the same page here. So I have loved this episode and so glad to be here with you today. I'm so happy that you suggested it. How fun. I hope you viewers have enjoyed this conversation. We're going to leave Paul's information in the description below. So if you are intrigued with the idea of investing in this franchise for real estate, uh, you could reach directly out to Paul. And of course, if you want more information on investing in a franchise, The Daily Coach absolutely wants to be your daily coach. Paul, thank you so much for being my guest today. Hey, thank you. It was a great honor to be here. Really, Kim, thank you. If you found this inspiring, please contact me at inquire at kimdaily.tv. My consulting services are totally free to you. Again, that email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. I can't wait to hear from you.